0: One of the shows my wife and I love to watch on television is When Calls the Heart. It's actually on the Hallmark Station. It's the story of a small town in Canada from about a hundred years ago. It's called Hope Valley. Hope Valley. It's a beautiful place. Just glorious. All the little houses are perfectly painted. The flower boxes are out. Tree-lined streets. The white wood church is the center of the community the one-room schoolhouse is a safe place to learn and learn to love each other the doctor always seems to have answers the mayor always seems to have a plan the mounties always get their man and true love always wins out that's hope valley a perfect place we watch it just to spend an hour in hope valley but life is not always like that We don't live in a perfect Hope Valley. There's times in life when challenges beset us that seem to overwhelm us. We face obstacles that are hard to get through, hard to get around. Difficulties, trials that threaten our peace, our joy, and our hope. This morning as we continue our series on the highlands and heartaches, we're going to visit a very, very, desperate desolate place it's found in ezekiel chapter 37. ezekiel chapter 37 turn with me there if you would would in your word and there we're going to see that even in this hopeless place god can bring hope and we're going to learn of the hope that we can have through god our father
1: Stand as you get there, just in honor that this is God's word, the inspired and errant word of God, and also in expectation for what He's going to speak to us today. Ezekiel 37 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there were very many of the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you, that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, that you may come alive. And you will know that I the Lord, that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves and caused you to come up out of your graves, my people. I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life and I will place you on, on your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it, declares the Lord.
0: You may be seated. Father God, we come to you today because we need your word. You have the words of life. And Lord, we need to hear from you today. But we don't need to hear the words of men. We need to hear from the throne on high. We need to hear a word from our Father. Speak to us. Lord, we thank you that we come in weakness today. Reminded that we hold the treasure of Christ in earthen vessels. Break this vessel today. Break it. That Christ might pour forth today. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the first things we see here is it's a person. It's talking about a person, a messenger of hope. He says, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord. Me, there is Ezekiel. Ezekiel means God strengthens. We know from the first part of the book that he was a Levite, a priest, son of Buzi, a priest. He was from a long line of priests, but he was living among the Chaldeans. He wasn't in Jerusalem. He wasn't near the temple. He was in Babylon. And Ezekiel was ministering at a time of great tragedy and great challenge for the people of Israel. Let me give you a little bit of history. Back uh, generations before, after the time of Solomon, the nation of Israel was divided into two nations by a civil war. There was a the northern kingdom that was made up of 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel. And then there was a the southern kingdom made up of two of the tribes of Israel. The northern people in Israel had become so corrupt at one point, so sinful so rebellious that God allowed a nation called the Assyrians to come and carry them away. Those that were left in the land intermarried with other peoples. And for all intents and purposes, the ten northern tribes of Israel and the nation ceased to be. It was no more. In the south, the two tribes of Judah and Benjamin remained. That's where Jerusalem was. That's where the temple was. That's where Ezekiel was. But around 586 B.C., they too became rebellious against against God. As hard as it is to imagine, they too turned their backs on God, and God allowed a nation called the Babylonians to come and carry them away. When Ezekiel was 25 years old, he was taken out of Jerusalem, out of the temple, and carried away to Babylon he was a stranger in a foreign land he was a priest without a temple I can't imagine what that must have been like but the most important thing to know about about Ezekiel is this the hand of the Lord was upon him and he was led by the Spirit you know that's that's about the most important thing you can say about anybody in this life that they are greatly used of God. Amid all the terrible hardships that he endured with his nation, despite all the personal trials and uncertainties, he remained faithful to God. He remained usable to God. Now, there's a chapter in the book of Ezekiel that literally breaks my heart, but it tells us a lot about this man. At one point, God comes to Ezekiel and he said, your wife is going to die. He's a young man. And I don't want you to mourn outwardly. Now that's asking a lot. Your wife is going to, in one day his wife died. And he obeyed God and did not mourn outwardly. He was faithful to God because God wanted to present to the people the ominous threat of judgment that was to come. And yet, Ezekiel was faithful to God. I don't know about you, but that tells me a lot about this man. What faith. What faith. Amen. God used him. He was his chosen vessel to bring a message of hope into a seemingly hopeless situation. Amen. If we want to bring a message of hope, God has to be able to use us. We have to look beyond our own hurts and needs and wants and comforts To look to God. To be usable in his hand. To bring a message of hope to those who need it. That's the way it's always been. At one point of great persecution in the church, the old, old disciple John had been exiled to an island of Patmos. And there he was on the island. The Bible says he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And God gave him a vision, a vision of Christ, a vision of hope for the church. And he gave that message to us, and we still have it today. This world needs messengers of hope. But if we're going to be a messenger of hope, we have got to submit our life to the Lord and look beyond ourselves and our own selfishness to God so that we can be used of him. Amen? Amen. Well then he talks about the source of hope here. Ezekiel writes, and set me down in the middle of the valley and it was full of bones. God took Ezekiel in the spirit to a desolate place, a valley filled with bones. By the way, in Ezekiel's day you could have seen places like this. In some of the great battlefields of the time, what they would do was they would leave the vanquished on the battlefield, strip them of their armor and all of their valuables, and leave their bodies lying in the field. It was a sign of contempt because they believed un- unburied bodies were accursed of the gods. And there p- were places you could go at that time and see where these battlefields were and they were strewn with bones and may have, may have been for decades or even generations, but this is something more than that. God takes Ezekiel to a place that is absolutely filled with bones. A lifeless place. A place of despair. A place that looked God forsaken. A place of hopelessness. In verse 11 in our text we read that the people said the whole, this represented the whole house of Israel. Those bones in that valley represented the nation of God's people. The northern nation was gone. The southern nation was gone. It looked like there was no future. Everything was hopeless. It was all dry bones. No life, no hope, or so it appeared to be. The people saw no possibility there in verse 11. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. I imagine they thought that that Abraham, when he received the promise of God, that from his seed all the nations of the world would be blessed, maybe that promise was now null and void. When God said that he was gonna raise up a ruler and place him on the throne of David to rule forever, Perhaps they thought they'd gone too far. And God had set it aside. It looked hopeless. After that, after bringing Ezekiel to the valley, Ezekiel writes, He caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, there were very dry. God had him go around the valley. Hard for a priest because the priest couldn't even touch a dead body. I can't imagine what was going through his heart and his mind in this place of desolation. But he surveyed the whole place because God wanted to give him a message. God was telling Ezekiel, you need to understand that in these bones there is no life. There is no hope in these bones. There is nothing in these bones that will bring renewal in and of themselves. These bones are dead. And if they're ever going to come back to life, it's not going to be because of anything that they did. Something is going to have to happen to them. This is a dead place. These bones were not going to bring themselves back to life. When I was a boy... Living in Illinois, we used to go to Chicago, see the Cubs play, and also we'd go to the museum sometimes, and one of the museums I loved to go to had a dinosaur exhibit. I love that dinosaur exhibit. You've seen them. There's a platform, and then there's these fossilized bones strung together with wire to make uh, it look like that animal was there at least in a skeletal structure. But I can tell you this, even as a young boy, as I looked up at those dinosaur bones, I never thought, wow, maybe they will step off the platform. That's foolishness. And it never happened. There was no life in those bones. Apart from God, everything in this world is just dry bones. There's no life in them. Isn't it foolish to think that we can take the dry bones of this world and somehow put them together in a way that makes spiritual life and hope come alive? There's no life in them, but we do it. To offer hope, we turn to the dry bones of social change. We pick up the bones of political activism and scientific innovation, hoping in the right combination of these dry bones, somehow we might find real hope and real life and real meaning. But they are dry bones. Life has to come from somewhere else. After Ezekiel's inspection, God asked him a question. He said, son of man, can these bones live again? And Ezekiel makes one of the greatest statements of faith in the Old Testament. Listen to what he says. "O oh Lord God, you know. Isn't that awesome? not going to happen because the bones come together I'm not going to be able to do anything but Lord you know if it's your will you can do it. You can bring life where there is no life. You can bring hope where there is no hope. God had given Ezekiel the grace to understand that even in a hopeless situation the God of heaven can move and work in ways we cannot possibly imagine. Our God is alive, and there is nothing impossible with him, not even in a valley of dry bones such as this. The same God who breathed life into Adam can breathe life into any dead soul through faith in Christ. You know, last, well, actually, early this morning, I was lying in bed, it was dark. I was thinking about Job. Greatly admired Job. I kind of tried to put myself in his place. You remember the story how he lost everything, all his worldly possessions, probably accumulated over a lifetime. And just in an instant, they were gone. That's a hard thing. But then I remembered that he lost all of his children in a tragedy. And I tried to imagine the grief that he must have been going through, grieving all of his children lost. I tried to picture the suffering he was going through, sitting on an ash heap. His whole body covered with boils. And the only respite he could find from the pain was to take pod and to be scraping the crust from the boils of his body. Constant pain. And then I remembered how his friends who should have been comforting him were accusing him. And even his wife, the one who should have been there for him, in the midst of his misery, came to him and just said, why don't you just curse God and die? Perhaps no one has gone through a dark night of the soul, a valley of dry bones like Job. But I want to tell you something. God gave Job grace. Listen to what he said. Though he slay me, even if it means I'm going to die, I will trust in him. The word trust in the Hebrew is the same word translated hope. I don't know what you're going through today. But I know this. There is hope in God. There is hope in him. Look to him. And you'll find hope. God brings life and hope. To a valley of dry bones. But how does he do it? I read through this a couple times and I was kind of amazed at God's methodology here. How is God bringing life to this valley of dry bones, representing the nation of Israel? Let me read it again. And again he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you, make flesh to come back on you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, that you may come alive, and you will know that I am the Lord. God responds to Ezekiel's faith by saying this, go and preach, to prophesy, to so present the word of the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's to be able to say from your heart, Thus says the Lord, and know you are talking for God. Here's how God planned to bring life to the valley of dry bones. Present the word of the Lord. Speak the word of God. That's amazing to me. Preaching to dead people? Does it even make sense? And yet, that's exactly how God ordained that it should be done. The word of the Lord is so underestimated in the church today. The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by what? The word of God. It's the word that makes the difference, it's the Bible that makes the changes. It's the holy word of God. If we want to see life where there was dryness and death and hopelessness, we preach the word of the living God. And God uses it to bring life. And no social program will do that. The word. God. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon wrote. God has ordained that by it he might save those who believe. Preaching is the blast of the ram's horn ordained to level Jericho and the sound of the silver trumpet appointed to usher in the Jubilee. It is God's chariot of fire for bearing souls to heaven and his two-edged sword to smite the hordes of hell. His ordained servants are warriors and builders, and the word serves them both as spear and trowel. Preach then from morning until night, and every time and on all occasions the unsearchable riches of Christ. The word of God does not return void. It accomplishes the purpose for which God sends it. Amen. There's something we need to notice here in these verses. A couple of times Ezekiel says that he prophesied as he was commanded. He actually repeats exactly what God told him to say. He didn't add anything to it. He didn't take anything away from it. He just preached the word. There's a great need today as we look at hopeless situations. To just present the word. You know my opinion about something may be entertaining but there's no life in it. None. We can use technology and I'm so glad y'all are watching on, tele- on your television or on your device today. We're so glad you're with us. The technology in and of itself is is only a vehicle for the Word of God. The Word of God is what makes the change and only the Word. Spurgeon was once asked to preach to over 23,000 people in the Crystal Cathedral, Crystal Palace in London. They'd been planning it for months and months and months and months. A couple days before the event, he was asked to come and get a sound check, check the acoustics in the place. So we walked up to this large platform, this huge place, and just to test the acoustics, he just said a verse. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Listen. Said it again. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Satisfied that the acoustics were right, he left. But what he didn't know were there were some workers up in among the seats. And before the day was over, having heard the word of God, one of those men knelt down and received Jesus Christ as their Savior. That is the power of the word. The power was in the beautiful crystal palace or the plans and programs they were making. It is the word of the living God. Amen? The word brings hope. Let us offer the word of God and trust it. So important. By the way, when he proclaimed the word of the Lord, even before he was finished, God was already working. While he was obeying and presenting the word of God, there was a rattling and there was a noise. I would have loved to have seen that. And the bones were starting to come together already. And then the sinews. And then the muscle. The word. That's what the word of God does. It brings life and hope. Amen. Well, Ezekiel watched all this. He watched these bones coming together, bodies being remade. I imagine there were thousands out in that valley, standing now, but then he noticed something. There was no breath in them no life. In Hebrew, the word for breath is the same word as the word for spirit. They had no spiritual life in them. Text says, Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them, and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Amen. Until the breath of life was in them, until the Spirit of God was within them, they were just flesh and bone, but there was no spiritual life in them. And many have likened this to much of the church today. A church that looks like a church. But there's no power within it. Sermons that change no lives. Teachings that help no one grow. Works done to be seen rather than to build the kingdom. Little spiritual fruit. No life. There's two reasons for that. One is that a professing Christian may not actually be saved. It's that person had never come to Christ willing to give him their whole life, their whole heart, repenting of their sins and willing to fo- deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. If they've not come to that place, if they've just signed a card or raised a hand, they need to ask themselves whether they be of the faith. When a believer receives Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they receive the Holy Spirit, and they receive all of the Holy Spirit there is to have. He's within them. Amen? That takes place so one of the reasons for a lifeless professor of Christ is they don't know him but there's a second reason the second reason is they're not committed to him see when a person truly is saved they receive all of the Holy Spirit there is to have they'll never receive more of the Holy Spirit he's a person that lives within them But the question then becomes how much of me does the holy spirit have am i committed to christ am i controlled by his holy spirit when our lives are submitted then there is spiritual life we need the holy spirit jesus remember warned the disciples to tarry into Jerusalem until they'd receive the promise that was to come the Holy Spirit. Because he knew without the Spirit, you're not going to have a church. And so they waited. He said, and the Lord also said, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and ye shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. if we're going to be messengers of hope to a valley of dry bones, we have to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of the living God. Presenting the word of God in the power of the Holy Spirit backed by a life of testimony. That's hope. There is no hope in a dead church. There is no hope in a useless life. There is hope when we live for Christ, when we live for Him. What a blessing we have, amen. To be able to go to this lifeless world with a word that will work and bring hope and life and salvation and to have that word empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's how we bring hope. The verses we read this morning end with a promise. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come out of your graves, my people. I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life. And I will place you on your land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it, declares the Lord. He made a promise. He said this valley of dry bones will live again. The nation of Israel will be reborn. Can I share something with you? In 1948, something happened that has never happened before or since in history. A nation that had been dead, non-existent for hundreds and hundreds of years, was born again. The nation of Israel was regathered. They stood as a nation by the grace of God. But the the work of God was not finished and is not finished because there's another part to come. In Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39 other places in Jeremiah and others it says there's coming a day after Jesus Christ returns when he's going to put his spirit within his people. Hallelujah. They will live again as a nation. Alive again. I want to tell you this morning briefly what God did for the nation of Israel He can do for you. If you've never come to Christ as your Savior the Bible says we're dead in trespasses and sins. There's no life in us. No spiritual life at all. And nothing we can do about it. But the Bible also says that although we are sinners, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And all those who place their faith in Jesus Christ can be saved. New life, resurrection life. Amen. Do you need that today? In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to do something. We'll practice social distancing and be safe. But I'm going to ask you to come forward and take me by the hand or just stand with me if you need to give your heart to Jesus Christ. I would love to pray with you today. Are you ready to take that dead life, that dead heart, and let Jesus bring it to life? I pray. Maybe you're a Christian here today and although you know Christ and he's in your heart, your life right now looks like dry bones. There's no fruit. There's no power. But you want your heart to be right so you can be used of God and you want to rededicate your life today. Would you come? Make this your altar. Renew your life. Rededicate your heart to Christ. You may need to join with this church in a minute. But I want to speak to some people here today. And right now you're in a valley of dry bones in your life. I mean, you're in a dark place and you don't see any way out. Maybe you know the Lord, but you just need his help. Won't you run to the altar today and just ask him, the God of hope. To be with you and give you hope today would you do it he'll hear your cry he loves you more than you know if you need christ you need to rededicate your life join with the church or just come to this altar today you come we're going to stand and sing stand with me as we sing